We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The True Faith Weekly Podcast. I am Charlotte Robson. We are sponsored by our patrons who pay circa six something a month, depending on exchange rates, for um, loads of extra content, um, but podcast a day pretty much, as well as um, events and things like that. Got an event coming up at the end of the month, end of the season at uh, the Supporters Pub in Marlebone in London just before the Fulham game the Cock and Lion. at the Cock and Lion if you're coming down um, do think about coming down to the show as well Luke Edwards from The Telegraph and we are also in association with Fans Bet um, alright so we have just we've just watched just lose to Arsenal at the Emirates basically there's no two ways about it let's all be honest 2-0 um, to uh, to Arsenal, um, a bit of a disappointment. One 0 at half time. Um, still thought we were in the game, and just didn't really show up for the second half, in my opinion. Um, so, Chris, I'm going to come to you first. Um, despite the doom on social media, um, isn't this Rafa's exact point when he says he wants to come to places like this and compete? Did you see us competing today? Um, for the first few minutes, yeah, I think it's really symptomatic and reflective of um, the gulf between the two sides. You know, Emery has done absolute wonders with this team, um, and that was really kind of shown today. Um, you know, the the attacking kind of you know strength that they have um, was really reflective with the subs that they threw on, and you know we don't have anything like those options. So you know, if you've got a manager like Emery that can that can tactically outthink a manager like. Um, like Rafa, you know, you're not necessarily going to be getting results here. <laughs> but, hey, resident pessimist. Okay, well, thank you. Norman, what do you, Norman, what do you think? Um, did, you, um, did you think we, we showed up today? Do you think we competed? We competed to the extent that Arsenal dominated possession and we put in a lot of blocks, a lot of tackles. I thought Diarmia was pretty fantastic as a screen um, there are little things that went on in the game that maybe could have impacted on it. Um, Gwen Doozy committed three fouls, I think, in in the first half, or maybe the second one. The third one came at the start of the second half. He, he should have easily been booked for. He should have, could have been booked twice quite easily, but at the same time, Arsenal absolutely outclassed us. Um, the goal, the goal was a defensive. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was it was just a, a you know a cacophony of defensive errors. Um, mm-hmm. But you can't take anything away from the fact that Ramsey, as is he's 
you know, as as he's want, as he's done for years and years, he just kind of he finds himself in the right place at the right time. He can read he can read the kind of flight of the ball, and he put a lovely lovely finishing off the post. Nothing to Bradford could do about that. Um, we didn't really come out and attack and create after that. I mean, you had the, you had the Rondon chance. Um, Rondon kind of slipped as he was shooting, which was a real shame. I thought uh, Leno got down and, and made a good save. If that had gone in, who knows? It might have made a difference. But ultimately, we got what we deserved. Um, the substitutions: Kennedy came on, Muto came on, and I think that that did for like there was a kind of brief five minute spell when we were one 0 down. You thought actually we might get something yeah, because these are looking dangerous. These two are looking dangerous. However. The, the the defensive um, errors for the second goal. I mean, as soon as Lacazette scored, that yeah. was it. And obviously, you've also got to look at Arsenal as well. I mean, they brought on Obama Young, who's an outrageous striker, one of the top scorers in the Premier League. They brought on El Nenny. Now, El Nenny really plays. He cost them twenty nine million pound. I mean, you know, this is we're we kind of all getting excited about the fact that we've broken our transfer record value. We're up to twenty million. They brought on a sub who very rarely plays, who cost them twenty nine million quid. You know, this is the golfing class. This is exactly what Rafa's talking about when he can um when he's seen he wants to compete with these teams and he needs the investment to do that. This is what he's talking about. Yes, it's great we went out and bought Almiron. Yes, we expect big things from him. Yes, he's done very well so far. But at the same time, he's still only a twenty million pound player in the Premier League, where a side can bring on a twenty nine million pound substitute. And then to that point, um, obviously Almiron was brought in to create pace on our side. I think that that was something that was really lacking today. I think you could probably all say we needed we need we need first team players that have that pace that that we saw on the Arsenal side, and we need subs that can do it as well. Um, Chris, did you? I mean, we we touched on it. I suppose uh, Muto coming on had a little bit more of that. Uh, yeah, there was an attempt to inject some pace into the side with bringing on on Muto, who you know he kind of you know put in some some legs, but uh, um, and Kennedy as well. But I think by the time that those guys came on, you know it was pretty late. It was kind of seventy plus minutes, and did they necessarily have um, you know a meaningful opportunity to impact on the game? You know, Arsenal haven't lost at home since uh, mid-August against you know a very good Manchester City side. You know, and once kind of we went one goal behind, it was going to be, you know, um, it was pretty hopeful to get anything out of the game. Uh, and two goals, you know, you're kind of looking at impossibility. Um, even with that result a couple of weeks ago against Everton, you know, against a side like Arsenal, you're not going to be able to pull those kind of results out of the bag. Um, so, yeah, there was an attempt to bring it, bring pace into the side. And I think for a couple of minutes after, um, you know, those, those substitute came on, um, you know, there was a bit of a, a degree of improvement. Um, but ultimately, you know, as I said earlier, uh, the gulf between the sides was kind of made clear. And, um, and we're here with Sean as well, who is a sometime contributor to True Faith. Um, Sean, is there anything you would want to add to any of that? Did you, how did you feel we were half-time and then full-time? I think, I mean, ultimately disappointed by our performance. I think, we, as we said before, it's, you know, we, we, we in, in theory in the game because we were only 1-0 down for large parts, but in, in absolute reality, we were never really in the game. I mean... We're, we're quite miles off the pace. I think, in, in fairness to people, when when you're kind of up against that kind of quality, up against that zip and the passing, and you're chasing the game a lot, it, it puts pressure on you. So we we made a lot of a lot of mistakes, a lot of basic passing errors. We weren't really linking up at all. But that 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 is a consequence of being under the cost for that long against a good side on a on a pretty big pitch as well. So yeah. it kind of mitigates that a little bit. 
but disappointed today but just just for the slight performance i mean we, we yeah we, we definitely are all disappointed so let's talk about a little bit about um about formation and the way we were set up today and norman i'm gonna come to you with this one do you think if we'd been set up differently we could have got something from that or do you think that's kind of wishful thinking given we were set up as best we could with the players we had i think the formation that we started with is um the formation that served us incredibly well for the vast part of the season, especially post Christmas. I mean, let's say post like Cardiff included, but post Cardiff as well. Um, I, I didn't have any problems with the formation um, pre kickoff. I thought, yeah, this is this is you know this is what this is what we're good at. This is what will contain them. But obviously, within the first sort of few minutes, you could see that Arsenal, even though we were playing wing backs, they were getting so much space on the flanks. Um, Iwobi in particular, despite the fact that he wasn't necessarily doing much with the ball, he was still getting far too much space for me to be comfortable. Um, and that was because, obviously, you know, he was up against, I mean, him and um, Monreal, and then especially Maitland-Niles on the right-hand side, they were just getting a lot of space in behind our, behind, behind Edlin and Richie. Um, and I suppose when you go 1-0 down and you realise that it's not working, you know... It, there is a part you thinks why don't we switch the four at the back? Why don't we go forward in the middle and you know Perez in behind Rondon kind of um, maybe push out Amiron out to the to the left, um, bring on Shelby in the centre of the pitch, take off Hayden, have Shelby alongside the army. That's what served us so well last season. Of course you think that, but ultimately, do I think it would have made any difference to the overall result? Highly unlikely. Um, they were just better than us, and I, and I think regardless of what formation we we played, regardless of what changes we perhaps might have made during the match that we would have liked to have seen, they still would have beat were. They were too they were too powerful in the centre midfield, too powerful in the centre, not necessarily physically. Although, as I alluded to before, Gwen I thought was really effective, um, but they were just too good. Um, Ozil Ozil just creates space out of nothing, and you know for all of his faults and all of his supposed lack of desire. He's still incredibly gifted footballer, and as far as I'm concerned, he he and um, Gwendozi ran ran the show to a certain extent. Um, again, very impressive mate and nails for them. Um, I don't think I don't think there's much we could have done. I don't think there's much we could have done. I think it's it's fine margins. You know, Rondon puts that chance away, and it goes to ones each. I don't think we'd be having this discussion about formations because it would have been Monsich on the stroke at half time and would have been a completely different complex on the game um, as the second half started. Um, nah, just a just a golfing class. Nothing to do with formations as far as I'm concerned today. Just a golfing class. And um, and sort of touching on that there slightly, Norman and Sean. I'm going to come to you. Did you expect to see Shelby come on? Do you think that would have changed the play? I I think it's very interesting that he didn't come on. Mm. I think there's. I mean, we could be just reading too much into this, but. At 1-0, you think who's going to maybe come on, push it, put balls over the top and maybe set Almiron away, which is what we, that's possibly when you move back into the game, but he didn't. And you can see why he maybe didn't want to unleash that, you know, we, we could have ended up 3-4 down potentially. They did, I know they were rightly disallowed, but they did have two disallowed goals as well. So there's, there's that to remember as well. But I think it is interesting, it'll be interesting to see on Saturday whether he goes back and plays the same team or brings Shelby back in. If... If he doesn't, is there is there a way back for him potentially? Is that mm-hmm. is that where we're we're starting to go with that? So I was a bit surprised with that. Yeah, especially especially I think given how well he um, plays with Jalme and has been shown to play with Jalme, that when you're sort of one nil down at half time, I, I definitely think the um, the vibe in on the sort of concourse bit was that he would come on in the second half. Yeah. 
so I was quite surprised about that. Um, all right, Chris, I'm going to come to you next. Um, we've had an international break. We normally look a bit more sharp after an international break. Why didn't we today? Did you? Yeah, we looked sluggish. Go on, give us your opinion. Uh, we did look sluggish, but I mean, I think that's reflective of the opposition rather than necessarily uh, the side. I think as particularly in the first half, um, you know, I, th- I don't think we were necessarily too bad, particularly in the first kind of. 25 30 minutes um there was a kind of a steeliness um there but i think you know if you're going away to arsenal don't necessarily expect to have too much of the ball and too too much in terms of chances i think in the second half yeah there was a degree of naivety and uh, maybe kind of um i won't say lost heads i think that's a bit strong but lack of focus i think in the side there you know it was noticeable from or you know what I perceived was that you know after the the first goal went in thoughts were already turning to the weekend because with the best will in the world you know it's going to be those games that we're going to be getting the choice the chances and the points that we need to stay up and yes okay yeah we're already safe but you know it's those games that we're going to have the opportunities not necessarily us Norway as I say who haven't you know lost at home since since August so I think there was a degree of kind of within the side, you know, move on, pick yourselves up. Um, but yeah, onwards. Yeah, I mean, um, I probably wouldn't say that they uh, lost their heads as much as I felt like it That's just. That's not what I'm saying. No, 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 I, I know, I know, but I, I just think to sort of clarify or to add to that kind of what I, how I felt, it just felt like, you know, from an international break where. You know, not all of our players were here training together. We had, you know, so many people out on in the um, South America. What was it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean, Ron, on the other side of the world. Rondon. Rondon. I'm not too, I don't know about that, uh, that friend who was playing in Spain. Um, but you know, we did have a lot of international players there. But then again, Arsenal did. You know, I think, I think it's difficult to <clears throat> make any kind of excuses for tonight. You know, we're we're a side that's. You know, bottom six. We're a side that doesn't invest much. We're a side that was promoted, you know, the season before last, up against the side who has spent a lot of money, who has been Champions League regularly regulars until the last couple of seasons for about twenty years off the off the belt. Um, there is a huge gulf, and sometimes when we play against teams like Arsenal, this is going to happen. It's not always going to be Man City at home when we get a great result. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always going to be Arsenal at home like last season, uh, Chelsea at home last season. You not know, our record away to club to teams like Arsenal reflects the differences between the sides you know we uh, we haven't had a result against uh, the sort of top four or five sides since we come back to the premiership away from home yeah. and that's because they're just a lot better than us um it's always disheartening to lose and it's always disheartening to lose in the way that we did but we played against a team that is five times better than west ham and we've come away with the same result um you know, and I don't think we play any. I don't think I think we probably played better than we did against West Ham actually tonight. Um, given the the difference in quality, opposition, um, I'm I'm not worried. I'm I'm demoralised, but you're always demoralised after a feat, defeat. But worried? No, no. I mean, Crystal Palace at home is huge. It'll be a tough game for you know a whole host of other reasons. Um, I.e., Palace has been better as an away side. But this, let's just put it to bed. You know, I don't think deep down any of us actually thought we we're going to win. I think the best hope was we get a point and. We were in with a chance, chance with a point until five minutes until they scored that goal. With five minutes left or whatever it was, so you know I can't I can't complain so much. Um, and let's talk a little bit about the our front three. 
um, didn't really didn't really go for it at all today. I think Rondon was playing especially deep. Um, and do we think that's a, a bad night for them or like a tactical plan to keep them sort of spread out the pitch? Uh, Chris, I'm going to come to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think they were kind of uh, nullified uh, to a degree. You know, make no bones about it. Almiron, Rondon and Perez, you know, have fantastic players and on their day you know can have just about anyone in the in the league um but there was a degree of kind of desperation in the way that some of the balls were kind of uh, landing to Rondon and he made a decent fist of a lot of them um but Perez in particular is you know pretty quiet uh Almiron had some kind of good bursts down the wing but the the speed at which the the wing backs kind of tracked uh, to the sides to kind of you know uh to stop him you know, was was pretty pretty on it. I think it's reflective. Emery is kind of, uh, you know, a tactically strong manager, and he he really had um, you know, Benitez as a number tonight. I don't think it's necessarily reflective of a you know poor performance, but uh, you know, um, I, I think it's just a better class of opposition. And Sean, what do you think? Do you what do you think about our front three tonight? I I agree. I think it's a it's a massive consequence of not having much of the ball as well I mean you, you, you're chasing it you're chasing it you're chasing it and then we, we did get it we struggled we struggled really to make anything work we struggled to link up I think there was times when maybe Almiron was looking for a bit of an overlap and Matt Ritchie's lack of pace probably was a bit of a factor tonight as well which it, we, we all know is the case but when you're trying to find an outlet it becomes very difficult if you can get anyone in behind that's sometimes your only chance in games like these it's really it's really difficult, so I wouldn't really criticise the front three at all. I think they they, they ploughed a lonely for up front. They tried their very best, but you know we we, we did struggle and we struggled to get hold of the ball in midfield. And that. I, th- I think on Matt Ritchie, it was really noticeable some of the times when he was trying to run down the flank and just kind of and played himself into a bit of a blind alley more than one time. You know, he was having to kind of turn around and run back and 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 pass it backwards or sideways at best. Uh, and that's reflective of his lack of pace. You know, yeah. you know, he's a, you know he's really he's been fantastic as a converted wing back, but he's not a natural wing back, and he doesn't have that pace. Definitely, but that's the difference between him being a fifty million pound player and a thirty million player. If he's got pace, that's it, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Um, there was one um, there was one particular incident where his lack of pace was was highlighted. I think um, I think he won the ball. Uh, sort of level though, in yard box, laid it Almiron, Almiron spun, put it up the lane to him, it looked like a really good ball from Almiron, Richie just kept it in, but obviously that kind of lack of burst meant that he couldn't just go straight forward, and, and, the, and the play kind of stopped, and Arsenal, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal won the challenge, the ball went out for a third, and that was kind of the end of the move, um, that's not to say that Richie wasn't utterly invaluable, I mean, he's, his work rate was so phenomenal, that he, he, when, he, when he went off, he was absolutely shattered, um, but you did see a difference, obviously, when Kennedy came on, as I say, for that brief five-minute spell, when, when Almiron had Kennedy in behind him. You could see the difference that that, that bit of pace made. Um, but it's, it's easy to sit here and say that, you know, we didn't, we didn't offer much of an attacking threat because of Matt Ritchie's pace. I mean, that's such an, an easy blame to make, and it's, that's not the case at all. Um, I think Almiron, Perez and Rondon... We're all very excited about them. We know that they're all intelligent, really good Premier League footballers. But at the same time, in context, Amiron is still a £20 million um, player from the MLS. It's still only his sixth game or whatever it is. He's not going to produce these outrageous performances every single time he plays. Um, Ron Don's been so consistent, you know, it's not a surprise that he had a bit of a quiet game. Um, Perez has been great lately. He had a quiet game. 
it was a, a kind of a collective off night, but an off night that was more or less engendered by the fact that Arsenal were just way better. And ultimately, Cardiff's defeat yesterday took the pressure off us in this match in that we didn't really have to panic and get a result. Um, whereas Arsenal, obviously knowing that Spurs had lost, this was a great opportunity mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And they took it and they were up yeah. for it in fair play at them. You know, I'm not, I mean, the crowd was, was poor. I mean, you know, this this is a, this is the crowd, reflective of a crowd that's had that much success that actually chasing, you know, chasing, chasing fourth players to them isn't anything. It means nothing. Um, but the players themselves, the players themselves were up for it. Um, you could see it. They were, they were hard in the challenge. They were committing fouls um, and they just looked like they wanted it. And I'm not saying we didn't look like we wanted it. We wanted it. But when a team as good as Arsenal wants it as equally as we do the likelihood is they're going to they're going to pull the result out of the bag and, and that's what they did all right so um well yeah <laughs> um i think you know um yeah we were just out outclassed really i mean i probably sound a bit despondent and that's a little bit because i am it's a shame when you see the team that you love um to not you know not not doing very well especially when you have a couple of finds and you feel really optimistic um but uh norman i will come back to you for this one we've got fans apparently on twitter etc bemoaning bemoaning what we did on the ball did we perform okay off it because uh, surely in a game like this this is what's important right to to block chances i mean we still lost 2 0, sure, <laughs> as a measure of how did we perform <laughs> off the ball. Um, it couldn't have been that good because we lost. But um, I think, you know, I thought Diarmi, it was very impressive doing what Diarmi is paid to do and what he's put on the pitch for, which is break up moves, cover space, um, and just stop them playing through us. And, you know, he, he did that. Um, off the ball, I mean, it's such a tough tough question to answer because you know they were on top throughout the game um the fact that we limited them to two goals the fact that we limited them to two goals and also they didn't actually have that many clear-cut chances through the game Dubravka made a good save mm-hmm. um Richie had two off the line actually they created more than I, I, I originally thought <laughs> they probably could have won five or six nil couldn't they um but I suppose the fact that we we did limit it to two you could see it okay we did well off the ball but when you're 1-0 down and, you know, you're kind of trying to get back into the game, it doesn't really matter how you do off the ball because it's what you do on the ball that counts and, and we just didn't offer anything really tonight. Um, and again, that's down to the fact that Arsenal are better. I'm keep, I keep repeating myself, yeah, yeah, but that is the reality of it. No matter what we did off the ball, no matter how... How much we limited them? To, let's let's say we limit them to kind of clear cut chances, you know, like tap ins and playing fancy football in the in the sort of eighteen yard box. But um, we were just outclassed. We were just utterly outclassed. Okay, so <clears throat> let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the atmosphere as well tonight. Um, those of you listening may not have been there. Um, atmosphere in the Emirates, Sean, and atmosphere in their way end. How did you feel? I thought the away end was good tonight. I thought it was certainly it was certainly a lot better than last time we were there I thought it was brilliant there was loads of songs I thought basically till the second goal went in I was I, I thought we were really good I don't know if we got any yeah I, I mean you know especially in the first half from my side I definitely I mean the away fans were extremely loud like they were very present um, it was almost like non-stop there was a new chant that I think new little song 
that I think you liked yeah, about yeah, I mean, Jimmy. I, I, um, I mean, I, I shouldn't laugh at, I laugh at this because it's it's absolutely horrific. But um, there was a chant that went up. Um, Jimmy Savile's uh, Lee Cannibal's dad, which uh, <laughs> I, I tried not to laugh at it, but I couldn't stop myself. In terms of the atmosphere, I thought where we were was really good until the goal went in, and then it completely quieted off at that point. Yeah. And it was pretty much quiet until, bizarrely, they got the second goal. And then what happened was that kind of defiance, you know, there was the defiant... Um, mm. Yeah, non-stop. Kind of non-stop chanting for five or six minutes because, yeah. well, because we knew the game was lost by that point. And it's, it's kind of saying, we don't care, we've lost, but we're still, yeah. Um, Arsenal fans, absolutely, I mean, just... Abysmal. Now again, this is this. But this is the never But look, I tell you what. The way I, the way I look, the only way I can look at this is right. This is a team that's had sustained sustained success for twenty five years or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of the fact that when Wenger left, they had two seasons and got qualified for the Champions League. They still won an FA Cup. They still got the UEFA Cup semi final. They were still kind of in contention for the um, Champions League, and they still qualified for Europe. They almost, I suppose. If they're not quali- if they're not pushing for the title, because that's what they were used to for years, and if they're not winning cups, then it, they probably get bored, which is ridiculous. Because for us, if we were pushing for the top eight, we'd be bouncing around like lunatics. But then, give us twenty years of success. You know, I, I'm not going to judge their whole fan base based on the fact that they're quiet in matches. Um, it's just probably more indicative of modern Premier League football. They're so used to success that anything less than that is is not worth getting excited about. Um, and we don't know what it's like to be in that position. They did start singing when they went two goals up. And yeah. the, the thing is, as well, it's such a shame because I think I said to you, Charlotte, um, the acoustics in the stadium, the way it's designed. <laughs> like, you know, but the thing is, when they start singing, it, rever- it does reverberate. Yeah. It reverberates. It's been designed to do that. Exactly. And, and, it's, and it's beautiful. You think the stadium design, I think the stadium, the Wanda Metropolitana, the um, Atletico Madrid stadium, I think it's exactly the same as the Emirates. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to Atletico Madrid, when you watch Atletico Madrid matches and they start chanting, I mean, it is, it's ground-shaking stuff yeah. and that's what Arsenal could have and it's a shame that they don't really because, you know what, I don't want to go to a match where the home crowd are quiet. I want, like, fans chanting against yeah. each other. I want the home, I want the away voices to be drowned out by the home voices because what that does is it inspires you as an away fan to get even louder and get even louder. Yeah. But obviously, when you've got nothing coming back to you, then you do, you know, eventually just kind of default to silent yourself, don't you? Because it's like, well, this is flat as piss, what's the point? Mm. Yeah, it is really hard. It's really hard to have, have nothing to play off to, to then. But I mean, you know, having said that, I think that we did do quite well until the last sort of 15, 20 minutes of, of creating an atmosphere and having a good time. Chris, um, was there anything you wanted to add about the atmosphere uh, there? In the end. Uh, I mean, there were lovely comfy seats, not that we sat on them, mm-hmm, like, I'll give them that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, to be honest, the way end is a little bit like a cinema, I felt like, and you, where we were sat was, mm-hmm. you had a little screen in yourself, in your face rather. But um, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere is very hard to, you, you know, you're in the away end, so you're going to hear the away fans, and we were under a kind of very close roof, so it kind of, it does kind of bounce back down, but yeah, from where we were, we could not hear the home fans, and just to echo what the guy said, um, you know, you really need something to, to play off and to bounce off, and Arsenal, you know, uh, you know uh, legendarily, uh, are not kind of that, uh, that's not even a word, uh, I've, coined, I've coined a word, uh, I've coined a word. Uh, yeah, you know, they're kind of renowned for not being that side that you're going to get that atmosphere. 
All right, and I'm, okay, we're gonna wrap up. It's not been the best of times. It hasn't been the worst of times. Mm, but Charles the, Dickens. yeah, but before I do that, I do wanna ask, just to end things on a positive note, going into next weekend, Norman, who stood out for you today and why? I thought um, Florian Lejeune, to me, from, from my vantage point, looked really good. Maybe he might have had a completely different game from the people who watched it on, on TV because, you know, you, yeah. you, you do, you do, you see you see different things being there and watching it on telly. But I thought he's tackling, um, he's blocking, and his kind of ability to just move the ball out from defence um, comfortably. But that, it looked on occasion that he did that really well. I actually thought Lascelles was excellent until the the second goal. Yeah, he, he, he was doing his Lascelles was doing what he what he what he's paid to do, which is win headers, tackle, lead the back line, make clearances. That's what he did. He did it perfectly well um, until the goal. Again, it's it's so it's so hard to say this because I thought Dummett was really good up until yeah, until the second goal. Diomi um, Diomi I thought was excellent. Um, I even thought Diomi's distribution on occasion looked better than it has done in a long time. Um, and apart from that, Richie put his usual shift and he worked really hard. I thought Dubravka made some very good stops. Um, I still think Dubravka's suffering from a slight lack of confidence at the minute. He's not as commanding, like sort of between the, the edge of the six-yard box and the edge of the 18-yard box. He's, he's kind of almost spending more time in the six-yard box than I've seen him do. You know, um, than, than we initially saw him do. Sorry, when he signed for the club, it's been. It, I think it's been since that Spurs goal that he conceded. He just hasn't yeah. hasn't looked as commanding and confident as he normally has. Um, but on a positive, his handling was brilliant today. He, yeah. he scooped up everything. There was yeah. no yeah. there was no was like comments the there. No so fumbling. At least he's starting to control that again. He was good in that respect. I I I, can't, I completely agree with you, mate. I um and I think a clean sheet will do him the world of good. It's just been that's four consecutive matches now. We've conceded two goals, which is slightly disconcerting. Um, but apart from that, I mean. Who were playing though? Exactly. Look at our PNI. Ron was willing. It's just um, there was just nothing happening for him really. But I can't fault the effort of any player. I thought Yedlin had a pretty miserable game. But again, he put the effort in. It was just a mm-hmm. just a bad just day. Uh, Chris, is there anyone you'd like to shout shout on the podcast? Shout. Uh, we've talked about Diame. Uh, Norman, you know, spoke very eloquently just about him, and you know, I thought he was, you know, pretty strong. And the distribution was something that I noticed as well. Um, not that he necessarily had a good game, but a player that all season I've wanted to see a bit more of is Muto. And I know that language has been a bit of an issue, but you know, he does offer us something coming off the bench. And is there an option to see him uh, a bit more in the coming games, possibly? Um, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to see him. Not that he had a fantastic game today, but I think he does offer something. I think I would agree with that. I think Muto, um, what we needed when he came on was pace and he brought it. Um, it's just It was just too little too late and we also didn't have the sort of... Um, we had we had tired players and we had we, we didn't have enough chance created in the midfield. So, unfortunately, it just didn't uh, play out very well for us, for, for him. Um, I thought Jeremy played very well. I think we've already kind of touched on all the people we, uh, we, that I thought played very well. Um, I mean, overall, I, you know, especially in the first half, I thought we, we looked like a, a positive side and a side that can go into this weekend getting at least at least a point from it. So um, I, you know, I was very, very positive on the Matchday pod, which if you subscribe to Patreon, you can listen to. If you don't, you should. Um, I, I was positive on the preview, which if you subscribe to Patreon, you can listen to. <laughs> um, I, and you know, I try and be relentlessly positive in the face of adversity, uh, which God, no, Arsenal, no, no, no. Arsenal are <laughs> adversity. And um, 
And, you know, it's it sucks to then have to be like, yeah, no, we, we were outplayed. But, yeah, we still we still put, you know, some performances in that, that are very positive for our, for our coming games. So with that, we will round off. Um, we do subscribe to Patreon if you don't already. We are also, if you're interested in um, betting, then uh, we partner with FansBet. Putting they put 50% of their profits back into fan-based initiatives, which is obviously brilliant. Um, and we will be back uh, after Cardiff this weekend. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is what I said. Um, wishful thinking. Oh, I've gone mad. <laughs> it is wishful thinking. Oh, God, sorry. Uh, Crystal Palace this weekend uh, with the match day, the first listen, and, of course, the free review pod as normal. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you soon. Howie. <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.